Hi, I'm Dr. Divina Lopez, a board-certified pediatrician with over 10 years of experience in pediatrics, and you are listening to Dancing into Parenthood. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Dancing into Parenthood. Uh, you are here with Dr. Divina Lopez, and today I have Nicole Cannon. Um, so basically, I wanted to invite her on because she is the Sleepy Mama NJ, and I met her on Instagram because I wanted to make sure that I had a sleep consultation, like almost for myself with my own son. Um, and I, I've always actually been really interested in just getting to know about sleep since I've always been a terrible sleeper myself. And then having a son who just happened to do the same exact thing as myself, you know, it was always a little difficult um, trying to figure out what to do. And I still have problems, even though I think I've sleep trained him so many times throughout his life. And he's seven years old now. And sometimes I just think this is like an ongoing thing. Um, but just to give you a little bit of information about on September 2012, she took the maternity and child sleep consulting course through the International Maternity Institute. And she's a member of the Association of Professional Sleep Consultants. And through that certification, she's been educated on numerous methods that help families get more sleep. So just to give you some insight, if you haven't had a baby yet, get ready to, you know, babies don't sleep. This is the problem. Everyone says, I want to sleep like a baby. I'm like, no, you don't because babies literally wake up all the time. And one of the biggest problems with new, with new parents is that they are so sleep deprived and they're cranky and they're like begging me sometimes for advice at the office of like, how do I get this kid to sleep? Because I'm so tired, I'm waking up every two hours. Or, you know, sometimes you really have a colicky baby, which wakes up like constantly. Um, you know, you feel really crappy because you're not sleeping. And then this can cause other problems in the relationship because of that. Because sleep deprivation is no joke. It makes you feel really shitty. Like, it's just, it's horrible, right? Um, so, Nicole, please. I want some good tips for my parents. If you can please share some good advice on how to get their infants on a routine to start establishing some good sleep methods. Sure. All right. Um, hi, everyone. So as I was already introduced, I'm Nicole Cannon, um, Sleepy Mama. I, I'm a certified sleep consultant, and I also have three boys. So I've gone through this three separate times. Um, wow. And I would like to say it gets easier when you're trained as a sleep consultant and that you know to do the right things, but babies have minds of their own and, and they don't always follow a pattern. And they're so, all different, right? They are all so different. Three boys from the same two parents and completely different sleepers. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when, when children are very young, when they're newborns, I, I do have some parents reach out to me and say, what can I do to fix my child's sleep? There's not much you can do to fix things, to say, 
like fix the problem when babies are so young because their behavior is all biologically normal and appropriate. But what you can do are set yourself up for great sleep success once babies start to outgrow the newborn stage. So talking today, um, we're going to discuss kind of what what a good routine is to, ha- to create a consistent routine from the start of your infant's life. Um, so I look for two things at this. No, no, I'd say three things. Environment, timing, and the actual routine. So in terms of environment, um, from the start, I always tell parents I want a very dark, cool room. Um, and that should be, you know, between 60 and 72 degrees, because that not only is better for homeostasis, which is, you know, the deep stage of sleep, but it's also um, a way to reduce SIDS. They, they found that a cooler room is beneficial for, um, you know, SIDS reduction. So dark room, blackout shades, cool room. Um, I like white noise a lot because newborns are used to sound in the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also comforting because it, it's reminiscent of the mother's heartbeat mm-hmm. and amniotic fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the best sleep environment is a firm, um, flat sleep space with a fitted sheet. So that's, you know, in there as well. Um, and, and those would be, I'd say my top takeaways in terms of environment. Then I like to look at timing. So, um, despite everything you know about sleep, not all babies just show you when they're tired and automatically, you know, can signal to you when, when they need to go to sleep. So give you all the clues. Exactly. Like there are, there are some clues, rubbing of the eyes, yawning, Mm -hmm. staring into space, but some babies don't even show those, those clues so easily. So then I want to look at the clock and say, okay, there are biologically normal wake windows. How long a baby should be awake between sleep periods, between naps, before bed. And I want to remember that I should try and put that baby to sleep when we're hitting that biological wake window. So most newborns are about 45 minutes to an hour, meaning every 45 minutes to hour, they need to be put down for for a nap. Um, Mm. They might nap five minutes. They might nap, you know, two hours. Right. Totally normal to do both. Okay. looking at that wake window helps tell their body that, oh, hey, it's time for sleep. It's time to kind of wind down and, excuse me, and get into the zone again. So I look for the clock as much as I look at their sleep signs. So that would be step two. And then the the third step here is actual creating a routine for sleep. So um, most of the time, I like to start bedtime on the earlier side, Mm -hmm. but newborns aren't going to be ready to sleep necessarily at 5 p.m. for the night. Right, right. Sleeping through the night for young babies is possibly only three to four hours, and that might be from, say, midnight to 4 a.m. or, who knows, 1 a.m. to to 5 a.m. It varies, but I like to at least get them wound down and ready for bed earlier in the evening. So, my favorite routine is to do a bath. Mm-hmm. Um, this can be an outlet for some children. It's a way to kind of get a little energy out before bed. It can also mm-hmm. feel relaxing to their central nervous system. Right. 
not every child can be bathed nightly. Um, dry skin, eczema, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever. So in those instances, I opt for baby massage, just lotion, really, especially massaging their legs and feet because it's a helpful way to, again, calm that central nervous system. Yes, yes. Then it's come out of the bath or after your baby massage, diaper change, um, put into pajamas. And then mm -hmm. obviously, depending on their age, a swaddle or a sleep sack. Right. I, um, I like to use sleep sacks from the time children are out of the swaddle until they're in a toddler bed. So I right. use them continually because it's a sleep cue for the brain. Mm -hmm. um, it's also comforting. So they can't stay under blankets. Blankets aren't safe for babies or mm -hmm. young infants, especially. Um, so we use the sleep sack as a comfort item, like a blanket would be, and it's temperature regulation. Right. So I put the baby into their sleep sack or swaddle. Here's where I will do a feed. So that feed could be either a bottle or breastfeeding, whatever works for um, your, your family, your baby. Right. And then most very young babies will fall asleep while eating because it, it's what they're programmed to do. The sucking motion, the hormones in um, breast milk in particular, those are all ways to get mm -hmm. a young baby sleepy. Mm -hmm. But if your child's around 12 weeks or older, when they're capable of maybe putting themselves to sleep without eating, I like to bring in a book after the feeding stage. And that is to particularly break up feeding to sleep in case your child um, determines that's a negative sleep association, which not every baby does, but some rely on the feed to sleep and then they wake up extra times at night looking for food. Right. Um, so reading a book in the interim is a good way to kind of just break that association. And the flip side of that is that reading to children when they're very young promotes early literacy, which is a benefit. Mm -hmm. So once you've read, it's time to shut off the lights, turn on the white noise. And here's where I tend to rock my children um, for a couple lullabies in the dark. Every family is different. You can choose to rock your babies to sleep if that works for you. Or if you want your children to go down without being rocked to sleep, then you would rock them just because it's nice and it feels good. Mm -hmm. and then putting them into their um, crib or, or sleep space awake. Okay. So that's it in a nutshell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and would you say like parents should be doing this from like day one when they're home with the infant? Or do you say, um, you know, there should be maybe like a month or two before you can really start establishing doing all of these routines with the baby? So I'm not going to lie. Um, the books all tell you start this from day one, you know, get into a routine, you train, yeah. train, train. Yeah. I found like, again, my own kids, bad, bad baby sleepers, great once they hit nine months. Yeah. I just found that those first couple of months, um, hours were so erratic and to really enforce this every day would have been stressful for me. Yes. So if it's not stressful for you and you really want to establish a routine from day one, you can just know that bedtime at at day one might not be 6 or 7 p.m. like we hear about all the time. Mm -hmm. It might be so much later. So don't beat yourself up if you do the routine. They fall asleep and they wake right, wake right back up 45 minutes later. Yeah. Um, so long story short, I think it's okay if you wait a couple months, if that resonates with you. Yeah. But 
if you are um, type A, anxiety prone, and you want to start it from day one, that's also okay. Yeah, I think a lot of parents have this really unhealthy expectation of what they, you know, the time frame that they think they can really establish getting a child to sleep through the night. And one of the things that I tell them is that number one, every baby is different. And so you have to give yourself that time to learn your baby and let your baby, you know, figure out the new environment that they're in and just be comfortable at home with the baby before you stress out about stuff like this. And then the other thing is that, you know, from my perspective is how well the baby is growing because some babies just grow like phenomenally and they'll, I've noticed like those babies that usually gain weight so well, they'll sleep through the night earlier. And then babies that take a little while to put on the weight, those babies seem to wake up more. And that's because they, they just need to feed a little more. And, mm -hmm. and that's totally okay. So for instance, like my son was a really little guy. He was born five pounds, four ounces. I was constantly breastfeeding. And yeah, it's super exhausting. Um, so that's when I tell parents, like, you know, it's okay to introduce the bottle. Don't feel guilty about that stuff. Like you need your rest too. Yes. So, you know, don't beat yourself up if your child isn't doing this, especially what I feel like happens so often is that they'll meet other parents that yeah. like their baby sleeping and uh -huh. like, oh, I can't get this done. And then they feel so stressed out because they're comparing themselves to these other like parents with these kids that just like sleep through the night and made it seem so easy. And then it's like, why isn't your kid sleeping through the night? Comparison is such a killer for parents, especially new parents. It's, it's, oh my God. it hurts. Um, yeah. You know, all three of my children did not sleep through the night. And when I say through the night, I mean 11 to 12 hours mm -hmm. because through the night is different based on age. So like I said, through the night could be five hours by say, I don't know, seven weeks or something. I don't remember the exact documented mm -hmm. chart, but mm -hmm. mine didn't sleep through until nine months. I too had children that um, they grew well for the first 12 weeks, but then they had food intolerances. So mm -hmm. two of them actually ended up failure to thrive. And yes. people would say to me, but you're a sleep consultant. How could they not sleep? Even more, well? right? More it pressure. Like a judgment. And yeah. what are you doing wrong? Why can't you get your own children to sleep? Because they needed to eat. So when they were old enough, not only to have enough through milk, but also protein. That was what was the kicker for them. They needed to eat protein in their diet. Right. Um, that's when they slept through the night and I didn't do anything to make them sleep through the night. They did it when they were ready. So mm -hmm. it, our expectations can be very skewed, especially with all the sleep books out there, all the social media comparisons, all these, um, you know, mom groups, it's, it's helpful to talk to others and see what they're experiencing. Yeah. But it also hurt when you're the one whose child isn't sleeping and you feel like you're doing something wrong when you're not, I promise you. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. The other thing, um, you know, there's so much anxiety usually with new parents and 
um, they asked me about these devices, which are like, you know, taking their oxygen levels and, you know, making sure that the baby's still like alive during the night. These things like kill me because it reminds me of being a resident in the ICU, like in the NICU. And I remember how much those like bells and whistles went off. I personally don't recommend them. I don't, you know, I, I, I try to educate parents as well as I can about like how much of a business babies are <laughs> yeah. because you know look the the truth of the matter is that everyone knows that parents want the best things for their kids and so they'll spend phenomenal hours uh, or um, hours you hear me <laughs> how many years have you know babies been born and none Without of these any of it, devices yeah. were around right yep so I'm like, why would you want to create that environment of like a hospital in your home? And, you know, sometimes these things just go off for any little thing. And now you're always running and waking up. And I remember like, I used to go into my room, like he, he, I didn't even have a bassinet in my room. So he was always in his crib in his nursery from day one, but I used to, so, I mean, I had so much anxiety. It wasn't yeah. even funny. Right. So I, I don't know. Do you recommend like having any of these devices at home with them or? You know, I, I don't generally recommend any of those things, especially, I mean, there's so many things marketed to sleep and, and, um, but on the flip side of this is that anxiety and sleep go hand in hand. So yeah. if a mom is super anxious, you might have a rougher road to your baby sleeping well because babies you know they learn like emotional regulation through their parents they especially through their primary caregiver which is generally mom mm -hmm. um so if mom is super anxious about her child's sleep baby starts to feel anxious and then that plays a plays a part in in why the baby's not sleeping and, and it goes round and round so if i don't know whatever the device is that you like you clip it on their diaper or whatever and that gives you peace of mind, then I would say that's a good purchase for you if it means overall it's going to like lessen anxiety. Feel better. Yeah. Yeah. What about um I know that there's like all of these new bassinets that actually like soothe the baby and <laughs> I know they're crazy expensive too. Yeah. I mean yeah. they're nice, right? They have like all these like it swivels and it does this and that. Like none of that stuff was out actually when I had my son, or at least I don't I know. Me neither. Yeah. So when I see these things, I'm like, wow, this thing has like a swaddle in it and everything, and it's like <laughs> totally going. I think it's awesome. Um, but is that something that that's really necessary? First of all, I think it's super expensive. Also, but it it does seem to be to have like that nice effect of you know, having that ability to soothe the baby where maybe you could yeah. be a little more comfortable too. Um, but I don't know if all of that movement or anything is really necessary, or is that even a great way to start establishing the whole like sleep routine? And then what do we do later on when we don't have that available? Yes. Um, so I get mixed reviews on this and I'm not going to call it the name of the particular, you know, mm -hmm. item, but there's mm -hmm. definitely one item right now. Um, on the one hand, I think it can be a savior for a new parent because reality is most babies don't come home 
from the hospital and suddenly sleep in a bassinet so easily. They're used to right. being in the womb. So like right. to sleep in a flat surface, cold, it, it's not natural. So parents can't figure out what to do in those first couple of weeks. In my home, my husband and I traded off. Like we would, yeah. essentially someone wouldn't sleep. Someone would hold the baby and not sleep. Right. And then with time, it got better and better. So this device, um, it kind of helps in those first couple of weeks, months, because whereas you would be desperate before and end up doing something maybe that was unsafe, it's a safe way to soothe your child back to sleep without you having to stay awake all night long doing it yourself. Mm. The flip side of that is if you use it too long or potentially as long as it is recommended for, you run the risk of it being a dependency for mm -hmm. the baby. Mm -hmm. So I think there are some parents who will gladly take that trade off and say, give me a good first few months and I'll deal with it when I'm, you know, a little less sleep deprived, my baby's a little older and they're, right. they're all in that way. Others don't realize that this can mean you have to break that cycle when they're older and older children cry longer, cry harder, harder, yeah, and take more work to, to undo that. Because at that point they've had like six months of this. So yeah. it's a lot harder to undo six months of something than mm -hmm. it is to have a couple weeks teaching a child to sleep independently from the start or whatever it might be. Um, right. So it, it's a gamble for sure. I, I have people who swear by it and it worked really well for them. And then I've had others particularly had to hire me to figure out how to get out of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to also mention was um, because you, you mentioned just like rocking the baby. And I always get a question of, is that okay to do? Am I spoiling them by doing that? Is, um, you know, is that a bad idea? So I know you mentioned that you said that, that you were doing it even yourself as a mom. Um, and yeah. it's actually one of the things that I love the most, just that little bonding time. Yeah. Um, so I, I still do it. <laughs> I do, I, I do too. Yeah. Even at seven, I'm like, let me get it all in because soon this is going to be over. Um, but you know, you, you do recommend it. You do think that it's okay for parents to go ahead and do that. Well, here's what I'll say. So, um, in the beginning, you can't rock a baby too much in my opinion, especially right. in the you first cannot. three months. You yeah. can't. Um, I, you know, maybe some people believe you can spoil a baby, but I think actually recent studies have, um, documented that you you can't spoil a baby. There's no such thing. Right. Can you create a negative sleep association by rocking for extended periods? Yes. So what I mean by that is you rock your child to sleep past a certain age, and then they rely on that to understand how to fall asleep. So in the middle of the night, they come out of a sleep cycle, which is normal, even adults. We right. wake up multiple times the night. We just don't remember we've woken up, but we do. Right. Right. A baby who's not a solid sleeper also wakes up multiple times a night. And if they only associate sleep with being rocked to sleep, then they cry out and want to be rocked again because they, they don't know how to put themselves to sleep. Mm -hmm. So does every baby uh, have rocking as a negative sleep association? No, there are so many kids who are rocked to sleep their entire lives and sleep through the night and do great. Right. If a child 
is struggling, then I do say no rocking to sleep, but I always still encourage rocking for one or two songs in the sleep routine because for me, that feels good as a parent. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think it probably feels good to my children too endorphins, whatever, <laughs> I don't know, yes. The yes. serotonin, I don't know what hormone yes. I'm releasing there, but it feels the oxytocin. natural to me. Yeah, there you go. That's the <laughs> yeah. one I'm looking for. Is that like we're connecting right now? Yes. Yeah. Bonding. Um, it's the cuddling so it, hormone. It's, and that's what I think is important for yes. raising a child. So yes. is rocking bad? No. Is rocking too long maybe going to harm sleep? Potentially. But mm -hmm. I will never tell a parent not to rock at all. I just might say you need to limit how long you're doing it. How long you're doing it. Ah, okay. All right, got it. Well, I do think, you know, this is such an important topic. And I'm sure that you have so much information for every stage. <laughs> because, you know, the, the thing is, like, like I said, like I've done sleep training so many times. And it's because... You know, I, I think I did it initially and I started establishing a good routine and then teething started and oh, then yeah. that just messed up the whole thing. So I had to do it all over again. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, do you find that that's like the, I don't know, the majority of parents <laughs> will say something like that? Like there are multiple times that you have to do this? So I... I mean, it, A, it depends on the child's personality, right? There are some mm -hmm. kids, um, that's my youngest son, to be fair. He hits every regression, every bump, every hiccup, his sleep is thrown off. But I've never had to sleep train him and I've never re-sleep trained him because I try and remain consistent in my response. So if he's sick, if he's teething, mm -hmm. I and this is just my parenting philosophy. It's not how I always talk to my clients, but mm -hmm. I'm just not comfortable leaving my sick child or um, a teething child by themselves. It right. just doesn't resonate with me. So right. I would go in and I'd pick him up out of his crib and right. I would rock him. I would just try not to rock him to sleep. Like, like I was already saying, I, I try not to go all the way there because then you set yourself up for having to sleep train constantly. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I try and remain consistent in my response, which in my house, consistency is always in crib awake. Um, and, and, you know, if I need to soothe, I pick up briefly. And if it takes more than that, I sit next to the crib or bed and, and you know, like pat and shush and, and talk to them. And I use that for my, um, even my older kids, when they come out of their bed in the middle of the night with a nightmare, or if they're sick, I don't, let them get in bed with me because I can't sleep like that. So I walk them right. back into their room. Right. I rub their back. I talk to them for a little bit, but then I still leave the room before they're fully asleep so that I never want them to get used to me putting them asleep. Right. Um, so long roundabout way of answering is that you might have to constantly come back to whatever it is you did to get your child to learn to fall asleep, but mm -hmm. it shouldn't have to be full on sleep training every three to four months, if mm -hmm. you kind of keep a consistent thread throughout whether they're sick, you know, going through something, et cetera. Just try and remain very consistent with a little leeway for, um, you know, those, those tough times. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, thank you, Nicole. It's been awesome just bringing this information to everybody because this is major. Like, I want to say this is number one. I'm not kidding. This is a number one complaint from parents. And I feel for them because I know what that sleep deprivation feels like. I know how it affects their children and themselves and their relationship. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is so important. I want people to know how to get in touch with you and where to find you because I know every parent needs you. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> so please let everyone know where they can find you and get in touch with you and, and figure out how to get your services. Sure. Um, so my website is www.sleepy-mama.com so mm-hmm. or you can find me on Facebook at just Sleepy Mama or on Instagram at Sleepy Mama NJ. And that's always M-A-M-A. So. Yes. Sleepy Mama. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you for taking this time out because I know you are busy with your three boys (laughs) and it's it's taken us so long just to coordinate it um, because, you know, we're also busy living our lives and and doing our thing. (laughs) Um, But I really appreciate the time that you've taken out to speak to my listeners and to my parents. And I know they're going to appreciate the advice that you have for them. Um, Please you know, look up Nicole. She's awesome. I think she was so amazing to connect with. Very easy to talk to. I like your personality a lot. I love the the fact that you are really thinking about sleep in a holistic way. And, you know, you take into the factors of like, what is the family dynamic and all of that, like that's so important. You know, it can't just be one set of rules for everybody it has to be what that family needs because every family is so different. So thank you so much for, you know, being an amazing provider in that way and for caring for your families, because I'm sure that they appreciate you so much for getting it, you know, like not only are you a mom, not only do you have all of this experience, but you can relate to people in such a great way. Um, So I know that they appreciate that from you. Well, thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming along and being on this podcast. And um, and please, everyone, come and, and find Nicole because she's excellent. I'm so happy that she did this recording with me. All right, everybody. Um, so for now, you know where to find Nicole. And I got to say goodbye. And we'll talk on the next podcast, okay? Bye-bye. To listen to more podcasts, please visit us at drdavinalopez.com and follow us on Instagram at drdavinalopez. Thank you for listening. Please keep in mind that all advice given in this podcast is general information. To understand your specific situation, you must consult with your pediatrician.